Today's episode is brought to you by G2 Crowd. There's this cliche or, or notion of sales being an art, right? You're either born with it or kind of like can't be explained. And I always felt as an ex-engineer that art is something that you can't explain yet. You're listening to Stack and Flow, the sales and marketing technology cast with Sean Zinsmeister and John Wall. Hello and welcome to Stack and Flow. I'm John Wall. And I'm Sean Zinsmeister. And today, our guest is Amit Bendoff. He is the CEO and co-founder at Gong, a tool that has just revolutionized inside sales and calling, but we'll let him tell us more about that. Before we get going, Sean, you had a topic for us today talking about adoption and trust. What's happening there? So I think if anybody has been following the news lately, I think that we can't avoid but sort of bring up, and I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but... I think it will still be a topic that this audience is pretty interested in around Cambridge Analytica and what's kind of been going on there. John, have you been following this story in the news? Yeah, it's been huge. I mean, we've talked about this. You actually called this uh, three or four months ago that Facebook stock would take a hit as this saw light. And sure enough, this week was the trigger. Yeah, when you're close to the rumor mill, you know, every once in a while it gets it right, right? And at that point. But I think that what's interesting, but also pretty scary here is just, listen, you know, when people sort of think about what was happening here, for for people who aren't familiar with this story, Cambridge Analytica was essentially a firm that was hired by outside uh, political entities to gather data for what they were calling kind of psychographic targeting. Now, if anybody's ever been to business school or any sort of business one-on-one or marketing class, you know, psychographic segmentation is not necessarily a new concept. I mean, if anybody who's actually studied Ogilvy and advertising and things like that, I mean, pulling on the heartstrings and like tapping into people's emotions, these are all concepts for advertising. You know, influence is trying to get you to buy a product. In this case, the product that you're trying to buy is to elect somebody, you know, the politician and your currency is your vote. And so I think that you're drawing that parallel is really important at first. But I think that what was A little bit sinister in this case was the fact that they used these kind of polls. And what they did is essentially they had hired this firm that they put this poll out on Facebook. They gathered almost 270,000 people to take it. And through that, sort of wittingly got access to all of their friends' information too. So it ended up being, you know, they had almost 50 million people's kind of psychographic profiles. Now, how are they building the profiles? That's the interesting part. That's the data science part, right? Where their claims of Cambridge Analytica was, you know, with particular sample sizes, and they had all these different tiers of sample sizes where they were saying like, oh, with this many likes, you're essentially like kind of indicating what you're thinking about. So we're able to sort of tap into your brain. And like with X sample size, you know, we can sort of say, we know you better than your friends. And with this much sample size, we know you better than your spouse. And then, you know, they obviously exaggerated the top of the pyramid with X, you know, we know you better than you might know yourself. And we don't really think about that when we're sort of going on Facebook, right? We think about these social networks as a place to share pictures and, you know, here's my dog. And like, I like this country Western star and it it just seems so passive, but you know, all of these patterns bring up this profile and essentially what they were trying to do is segment neurotic people so they could send fear messages to them to push them in a particular direction. And that might seem like a gross exaggeration, but that's exactly what's happening. And I think, 
you know, the other sinister piece of it was not just this sort of idea that they were looking to sort of rewire the culture. And I'm looking at this not as a political story. So not, you know, regardless of what your politics are, it's, it's I'm looking at it purely from the lens of like a marketing kind of news story. In some ways, John, I would say that, you know, when I talked, it's funny, I was talking to my wife about this and she says, how is this any different than what marketers are doing today? Isn't this just marketing and advertising? And I say, well, at one point they did resell all of the data without anybody's consent. But Amit, have you been following this story at all? Like, do you have, I'm just interested in your sort of take around it because it is such a big story. And I think it's pretty connected to a lot of the stuff we're doing in marketing and sales technology. So I was just interested in uh, getting your kind of quick feedback and thoughts. Yeah. Well, you know, I haven't been following like in, you know, in, in great detail, but, uh, you know, I think I got the gist of it. I tend to agree with it. First, there, there's nothing wrong with understanding your audience and, and uh, you know, the inner psyche and what messages it's what about. Sometimes for a good cause, right? If you want to advertise for people to quit smoking or bad habits and, uh, you know, or you're selling a product of vacations or a politician, right? I mean, that's legit. And the other part for me, every time that I put something on, on Facebook or social media, I know because I understand the technology that this is subject to kind of analytics that people could do at scale and they could analyze my preferences. I get targeted ads, you know, based on things that I post or do. I think the sinister part of it is the hidden app that says one thing, it does another. Okay, that's a really red line. It's deceptive. And, and uh, as long as people, you know, you have people's consent, I think it's all legit. And uh, people need to master how you work the media today. But uh, the deceptive application, that's to me like the... Uh, the real sinister part. And I think that like what a lot of people are starting to realize is, you know, some of these sort of data breaches, and I'll sort of tie this back into this main story, it's almost like an oil spill on the internet in a way where this stuff gets out. Now this particular story wasn't necessarily a breach, but it does tie me back to this idea around trust and adoption. I mean, John, have you opened up the Facebook privacy settings? I mean, it's an absolute zoo. (laughs) I mean, I just, nobody, you know, the regular human user is just not going to go in there and select all these boxes to make sure that their posts are only seen by people who are older than 20, who live in the Northeast region. I mean, all this stuff. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. And then the, the thing that's like scarier is this more passive sort of data collection, right? Where we're not even aware of it. I mean, John, did you ever sort of sign a consent form to let Equifax mine your data? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I can't remember it, right? We had all these, we, we may have had several transactions in our life that did it, but I mean, and I think that this is something else that they're going to have to figure out, which is like, how do you protect people's privacy without this sort of unfair reliance on people going in and sort of doing the administrative overhead? John, I don't know if you, you sort of had thoughts there. It's so funny. I mean, mention this red line of when they kind of go too far. And for me, the thing with that on the privacy side was when it got to the point where there were settings you could put that would then be reset every time you logged in. And, you know, at that point, it's kind of like, why even bother to go fiddle with all those settings when a lot of stuff can just be reset the next time you log in? Yeah, I, for myself, I consider that once I post something, like everything is public and everything, you know, whatever can be learned from me, you know, is is out there. And then things that I don't want to put just, uh, you know, are not in the public. You know, I don't need the settings. I don't review those settings. I just assume that everything that I put is public. And uh, so, I mean, that's the age we're living. I mean, you're, you're like under cameras everywhere you go on the street, you know, everything you put on social, it's connected. Uh, and, you know, as long as it's done in the open and transparent, I mean, that's fine. I don't think the average 
person can go in and tweak all these uh, privacy settings. So it's just safe to uh, just don't put out there what you want to keep private. Yeah, and I think that that is an interesting segue to sort of talk about kind of the work that you guys are doing at Gong because I know it's it's interesting to sort of where we're going, where you, know, you guys are, are doing this great job where we're actually finally gaining this important visibility. But if we could take a step back, for those who aren't familiar with Gong, they should be, but if they're not familiar with Gong, can you tell us a little bit about uh, who you guys are and what you do? What's the elevator pitch? So, so Gong is, is a SaaS application. It helps uh, sales and uh, support teams to uh, improve their conversation with customers, provide a better experience. It, it kind of think of it as an automated coach. It looks at what are the best practices to converse with customers and then helps them improve their act. Uh, so you can think of it as, as games, uh, game tape and game stats for uh, sales and uh, service people. We just have to pause a moment here to thank our sponsor, Travel Perk. Do you hate booking business travel? Of course you do, everybody does, but it doesn't have to be that way. Travel Perk is disrupting the customer service experience for business travel. They have a huge selection of options from the major brands to Airbnb and live service reps to take care of you if anything changes during your trip. And we've got a special offer specifically for Stack and Flow listeners from Travel Perk. If you sign up at go.travelperk.com slash stack, you'll get a $50 Amazon gift voucher after your first booking, an additional $100 voucher when your company reaches 10 trips, and your company gets Travel Perk Premium for free for three months. Just visit go.travelperk.com slash stack. Please take the time to hit that link and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Stack and Flow. Again, that's go.travelperk.com slash stack. And I know, Amit, I wanted to sort of get into your background because I think it's really interesting because you come from the analytics background. You were previously at SciSense before. So what, what sort of led you to found Gong? What problems were you seeing in the market? What was the inspiration there? What's the story? The story, that, so Gong is the fourth company that I'm leading, uh, both as a, as a CEO and, uh, and as an executive. And uh, my last two companies grew incredibly fast. And we're really killing it. But from looking at the inside, I knew that we're generating a ton of leads. Marketing was a pretty well-oiled machine that could, is very predictable and uh, very easy to understand. We had lots of KPIs, anything from conversion rate, number of leads, uh, landing page conversion, uh, MQLs, SQLs, and what have you. And whenever it went to sales, uh, this was a huge void and we can only see what comes in and what comes out. There is no metrics to explain why we're winning or losing deals. The conversion rates at most companies are horrendous and that's going to consider the norm. One in four, one in five would consider fantastic. And most companies are one out of eight and one out of 10. And uh, nobody could explain why, you know, whenever I ask, why did we lose this deal or that deal? Why, you know, this person is successful and why did other salespeople fail? There are all sorts of like stories and anecdotes. It was like either like a bad hire or not proper training or, or poor leads or all of these things that can't be measured. And that's, you know, every time that we had problems, you know, you would have to resort to listening to calls and trying to understand, you know, not how many calls people are, what's the quality? Are we asking the right questions? Are we uh, positioning the company right? Are we closing clear next steps? Are we making an offer? And that was very time consuming. I mean, it takes an hour. Most of it is not very interesting. And uh, at best, it's anecdotal because, you know, you could listen to 1% of the conversation that are actually happening. Right. happening. Oh, and that led me to the idea 
that there has to be like a more efficient way to shine a light on these conversations. And then I thought, you know, maybe, maybe we can transcribe all these calls. But I, I quickly, you know, I Googled and found out that there are two ways to transcribe. It's like one is machine and the other is uh, human. And uh, human transcription is slow and, and expensive and machine transcription isn't very accurate and, um, and not very useful. And that started uh, to, uh, plus we, you know, people didn't want to read transcript. I mean, that, that's too long either. So I said, can we get like the insights like for every call or thousands of calls, what are the key uh, data points that actually impact deal closing? Is it, you know, are we being good listeners or asking good questions? Are we positioning our competitors being mentioned? And you know, which features we're discussing was the value. And that led to the uh, idea of Gong. And I will say, you know, I mean, as a product marketer, the way like, my life before Gong, because, um, you know, full transparency, we are a customer over at BotSpot and a big, uh, big fans as well. And, you know, the thing that I always think about as a product marketer is a lot of the ways that I get my content is through uh, recording my calls uh, for my own private use. And then I would transcribe a... I get a transcript of the phone call that I go through and I'd mark it up because I want to see like the messaging from the, from the horse's mouth. Right. And this just gives a way to do it completely at scale as well, but also sort of with the idea that everyone, that everyone kind of knows what's going on uh, as well. I think the other thing is too, and you mentioned this, I think about like win loss analysis and you know, when you're interviewing reps for win-loss analysis, there's always going to be a little bit of bias in, you know, the why behind it. <laughs> and, Did you say a little I, bit of bias? I, this is really, yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. But I think that this kind of gives, to your point, I mean, like another data point to sort of figure out, like you said, in addition to sort of getting it, uh, the feedback directly from the field, you now have this rich data pool to analyze to say, okay, yeah, these were reasons that, you know, this was DQ'd or we lost this or, you know, things fell apart. But now we can also corroborate this with like what's actually going on. It was that sort of something that sort of you guys were thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's this cliche or, or notion of sales being an art, right? You're either born with it or kind of like can't be explained. And, and um, you know, I always felt as an ex-engineer that art is something that you can't explain yet, Right. So, I mean, they're a fact. It's not, there's a lot of science into it. And by providing people with the facts, they can make better decisions. And for example, you know, we had a debate at our company, how to position the company in, in, in initial presentations. And there are some people like Camp A and then Camp B. You know, normally this would be a debate and then it's decided by the leader, right? Either the CEO or the VP of sales, that's how we do it, right? But now we can actually go back and look at calls and see closed one versus closed lost. And now the data speaks, right? It's not an opinion, it's the data. And that's very powerful. The other thing I was going to ask about is actually around adoption. You know, in my experience, trying to get salespeople to adopt new tools, especially field reps, is like pushing a big giant boulder up the hill. I mean, like when you sort of thought through Gong and the adoption, you know, it, was it just that you knew that the pain was going to be so big or were you just saying like, how could I just make this inc not just incredibly valuable, but just incredibly easy to use? I'm just curious, how did you think about 
how you were going to try to spread product, because I think this is a challenge that a lot of sales and marketing technologists out there face. Yeah, it's a very important point, and it's not it's not a coincidence. We put a lot of thought into it, and and first, I've managed salespeople, so I know how hard it is to get them to use stuff. My previous company, like, I was trying to get people to move from faxes to electronic signatures, and uh, I literally had to tie it to commission to get them to use stuff. And uh, with Gong, we knew that that's going to be a challenge. And there are a number of challenges when we spoke to people early on. And even when we tried to raise money, some of the investors brought up the concern. At first, are people going to see it as a big brother, right? Something that spies that used against them versus uh, for them. Second, people don't have to use Gong, right? I mean, you could close a deal without ever opening the application. So it has to be engaging and, and useful for people to do it. And what we did, we did a few things. So first, although we sell to the VP of sales, that's our, that's our buyer, right? That's the, but we have to have something for the salespeople themselves. So for them, Gong is kind of like meeting notes on steroids. So they don't have to take detailed notes anymore and they can focus on a conversation with customers. Second, they can share uh, pain points and tidbits with people in the company who can help them on deals. And third, they can learn either from listening to their own calls or to other peers. And we created it in, a, in an engaging way. So sending emails, alerts, push versus pull. So that really helped. And now salespeople are our biggest fans. The other things that we uh, made sure is that this is not uh, a policing application. So early on, we had some of the VP sales. Well, I want to record people, and I don't want people, salespeople, to know that they're being recorded. And that we you know, we never agreed to that. And in fact, we kind of like had security setting where who can, can can see what. We took them off the application, which is a pretty bold move, but said you know Gong is about transparency and getting better, and it's for the people, not. To police the people and that really helped so if you look at our reviews i think we have close to 600 right now on deep to crowd probably 90 percent of them are by salespeople. <laughs> that's great that's a perfect lead and we were just about to talk about g2 crowd and yeah i noticed that you guys are there with a 4.6 review over 500 reviews uh, fantastic job over there 560 five, oh, I got 577 577 <laughs> it's going up Remember, you can get the right software and services for your business when you're adding to your stack. G2 Crowd has over 250,000 validated user reviews to help you make smarter decisions. You can visit them at g2crowd.com, and we thank them for their support of the show. So, Amit, let's talk a little bit about AI and how that fits into what you're doing. You know, I know that analyzing these calls and being able to jump to specific sections, that's a huge benefit in kind of bringing some of these dark areas to light. What's going on there? So we're using, uh, people ask me, like, when, when we show the application, uh, so, so where is the AI? And uh, I'll first say that we don't market Gong as an AI. That's more of like an investor angle or sometimes reporters or, you know, people are fascinated by the concept. We try to package it, you know, we have deep technology, but we bury it deep inside. But it helps in a number of ways. First, the speech itself is using neural networks to identify what's being said. And even that's not, not an easy task, right? It's very easy to mishear things, even for people and definitely for computers. Uh, second, to analyze things such as questions being asked or a topic or objections or all the dynamics. And then the topics are being discussed, which is a very difficult problem. So if you think 
naively about analytic solution, you can think about looking for specific keywords or phrases, right? So let's say that we talk about the word dollar, right? That the word dollar was mentioned. You know, what could we possibly be talking about? Yeah, it's all pricing. You're going to... Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably pricing. Yeah. But could we also be talking about a rental car company? Uh, could we be talking about uh, how much I've spent on... On beer, <laughs> could just it could just weekend? generally be a remark about budget internally too, and not necessarily yeah. Yeah. fud about pricing, yeah. right? Right. Or if my software happens to be something that has to do with financials, right? Either like treasury or or, um, or or for CFOs, you know, dollars are part of the application. At Gong, we talk a lot about pricing because we show you how you can find pricing conversation, but it's not actually about our pricing. So the words depend on the context and most software traditionally is focused on finding some words. We have developed technology that automatically learns words in the context, what's being used. Okay, so if it'll differentiate between dollar as a rental company versus dollar our pricing is $5 per user per month. And that's the key. So that's how we can get insights of what's actually happening on those calls, what's being discussed. It's great for navigation, so you can quickly click through different segments of the call, or you can get uh, phenomenal insights. What percentage of the calls are people actually talking about pricing, right? And for how long? And uh, and what does it mean? You know, is it good to talk about pricing early on in a call or not? So that's the uh, the basic for for the topic detection. I also manage, you know, we've designed it especially for for salespeople. So here's the challenge that we had, and you brought it early on. It's very difficult to get salespeople to do anything. So traditionally, what most companies would do in large call centers or traditional software, they will take a thousand calls and have people label parts of the call. So they say they'll as a training set for the AI, right? So here's a call, and people will go and manually tag calls. We didn't have that, okay? I mean, there's nobody, if we needed to have people label calls to make a sale, it would just never take off. I mean, that's not the user experience that we wanted to provide. So we had to let the software figure it out on its own. And this is something, uh, and excuse me if it's too thick, it's called unsupervised learning, okay? That the software actually labels parts without human intervention. There's nobody giving the examples. There was a constraint that we have uh, dealt with, and that's part of the engagement that we're getting uh, from salespeople because they don't need to go and mark parts of the conversation. It's done automatically. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, when I look at platforms, for example, and especially if I'm trying to get something to you know, buy into the rest of the organization, I think this is what I really like about technologies like people.ai uh, and Gong which is that they're kind of always on technologies. And I don't mean that from a recording standpoint, I mean that from the fact that like you plug them in and they just work and the machine learning is kind of doing its thing. Because I think anytime that you're like, oh, you know, we can do this, but the part of our product UX is that it requires you to, you know, hit this button on a Chrome extension or, you know, hit the like button or, you know, click this. I mean, if it's brilliantly designed, and I think the most brilliant design I always think of is the, if you look at Google and you ever sort of make a fat finger error or something like that, and it says, did you mean blah, blah, blah? And you say, oh yeah, sure I did. And you click that. You're training the machine and that's valuable to you. So I think that there's a UX challenge there, but I love the fact that, you know, you're taking it out of their hands and just making it easy about delivering value. 
And that kind of leads me to what I was going to talk about next on it, which is sort of the role of data in and what it means for the bag carrying rep. Because I think that there's a lot of products out there that say, we can offer you all these insights and, you know, account-based marketing analytics and analytics, you know, up the wazoo. And it's like so much almost data overload for the bag carrying rep. And it's like, is this, there's two things that I'm curious about. Number one, is there sort of information overload or do you still feel like there is a big gap here? And number two, you know, the thing that I'm thinking about is, well, there's the what's missing part. And then there's the, you know, is this an evolution of the sales professional? Do they just have to catch up with the fact that like, if you're not following the data, if you're not quote unquote being data driven, then you are not, you are less likely to, or you're going to be an underperformer or a B player rather than an A player. So two, you know, that, those two things are kind of what I'm curious about, the role of data in sort of the modern sales rep. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question. I think there is, uh, you know, we try to limit the data to signal versus noise. And we test things and we have a research lab here and we, we try to limit ourselves to the things that really make an impact. For every call, there are hundreds of things that, that Gong understands, like what question is being asked, at what point, what's the topic, what's the tone, you know, which words are used, which product or features are offered, what, what's the engagement like. But we try to limit it to the very few essentials, okay, that people can focus, like two or three or four insights that actually move the needle in terms of sales. Let me give you an example of something that's not included. So filler words, right, like an M, an OK, and by the way, a lot of sales leaders are obsessed with this because it sounds pretty awful when you listen to calls, especially to recorded calls. When you hear all those uh, filler words in recording, it could drive you nuts. And a lot of managers uh, spend a lot of time coaching the people to remove those filler words. We've actually found that there is zero correlation between filler words and actual success of the salesperson. Yeah, that does not surprise me. I've heard similar anecdotal evidence that that doesn't work. But yeah, I is it literally just a case of it's all about the content and it doesn't matter rehearsing's not as you know a huge part of that well now we're getting to explanation right which we, we try to be careful so we just know that there is no correlation some of the successful people you know have pr are pretty heavy and feeler words and some of the not successful so you know but if we have to explain it i mean there are other parameters that are more significant you know are we having a quality conversation are we having a good time are we understanding each other right is there a fit which by far overrides everything else. And, and my second conjecture, I can't prove this, but filler words are much more prominent when you listen to recorded calls versus live calls. Because in, in a live conversation like we're having right now, you're much more engaged and attuned to the other speaker and trying to understand what they're saying versus how they're saying it, right? And when you listen to recording, now you're, you know, you're on your lazy boy and you could you know, relax and listen to, you know, you can hear all the little details that are not present in, in live conversations. On the tool stack side, obviously you guys integrate with Salesforce, but what else are the most common tools that your customers come to you with and what kind of things in the stack do you tie into? So CRM is one thing. I mean, we're, you know, we have Salesforce right now, but we're adding other CRM players. And the other ones are communication tools, mostly either phone systems, dialers, and, and web conferencing tools, like video conferencing tools, like uh, GoToMeeting or WebEx or, or Zoom. And, and then we also connect with, with calendar systems for pre-identifying meetings that are scheduled. So Gong can join and analyze those meetings as well. 
so if you think about what the sort of sales toolkit is, right? Email, phone, maybe messaging apps, uh, calendar. Are you guys sort of, is the roadmap sort of looking ahead, maybe without giving too much away, are you guys sort of looking at sort of, what kind of things are you looking about in terms of like future integrations for what you might? And then I'd be curious about like, you know, I think that the coaching and the game film are, are fantastic use cases, you know, reducing ramp time. Is there other things that you guys might be looking at, how you might be able to sort of build actionable intelligence from all this great internal content that, that Gong is sort of recording and analyzing? Yeah. So first, you know, we, we're, um, we're a conversation intelligence company and not just a speech or a spoken conversation. So our vision to get to all kinds of conversation, whether like written, verbal or others, I mean, it's just a matter of time. And, and in terms of insights, we see ourselves as a salesperson best friend, someone that helps not just with uh, what to say, but what to do and what to write and when to write and when, when to say, right? So those are insights that we're working on and we're very excited about. It's, uh, uh, this year is going to be very, very interesting. Ahmed, I know you get a chance to talk to a lot of sales leaders. Can you share maybe like one or two anecdotes uh, stories from the floor from using Gong and this new technology. Like I, I'd be really, I think our audience would be curious to kind of hear uh, some sort of real life stories from the floor that you might be able to share. Okay, so you know what? Here's one that I just fresh from today. You know, one of our executive got a note from a CEO. They're able almost change their positioning of the company based on insights that they've uh, they've seen like certain trending this year versus last year of some of the words that customer actually use and are actually making a pretty significant move based on the insights they're getting from Gong. So this is a strategic insight for the company, which is it's pretty amazing. And then, okay, here's another one. We get a letter from a CEO that's my, my wife hates Gong. And that was like, that was like once we released the mobile application, that actually increased the engagement. Yeah, because now, it's not only in the office, it just goes like on a weekend, you get this notification, like here's a competitive deal or an alert that a commit deals at risk or uh, pricing objections and you go in and it's, it's pretty addictive. So that was pretty funny. I will say that as a dog owner and somebody who usually is, is out there kind of rolling around with ear pods in, in their ears, uh, my Gong app usually has uh, displaced some of my podcasts as I have some of my favorite and yes, most entertaining reps at ThoughtSpot who, I mean, it's just an incredible learning tool. I mean, to hear it right from the field and absorb that. I think especially if people are auditory learners like myself, just being able to consume information on the go when you're always just struggling to just kind of find time just really helps reinforce it. And I think that there are so many eureka moments. You know, one thing that I, I'm, one thing I'm curious about a little bit selfishly, I mean, are you ever sort of thinking about, you know, making the data that you guys uh, collect available to push through? Like, you know, I'd love to like push it into a thought spot and do, and, you know, do some like crazy analysis on it or something like that. Um, are you thinking about sort of those future integrations or are those things that you think might be a part of your own intelligence system? Just curious about sort of from a, from a product sort of structure. Oh, I have news for you, Sean. We're not just thinking about it. It's there. Just check it out. You could take all the data from Gong and upload it into a ThoughtSpot. I mean, there is API, there is CSV export. So you can start analyzing all the data you want. So we have some of our own reports and dashboards, but we recognize that, you know, we can't do everything that a customer would ever want. 
So yeah. Yeah, there goes my weekend, John. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> a second angry wife message to me is <laughs> where we're going with that. I mean, that's great. If people want to learn more about you or Gong, what's the best way to get in touch? Either connect with me on LinkedIn, go to gong.io, very simple, and uh, we'll take it from there. That sounds good. And Sean, what did you got going for the next couple of weeks? Anything that's uh, exciting or stuff you're working on? No, it's just uh, one selfish plug that I'm going to put out there is uh, I'm growing the product marketing team at ThoughtSpot. So if you are a product marketer looking for a new adventure, or a technical product marketer that wants to get involved with some data gen and some data modeling, you know, building custom demos and really being a part of uh, what we're building over here, please send me a note. I will say that, you know, and people who have followed my posts, I don't necessarily think that people have to come from traditional product marketing backgrounds. I actually think some of my favorite product marketers have sales backgrounds. They they're converted sales engineers and the like. So if this is something that looks interesting to you, please send me a note. And you can always email me at sean.zinsmeister at thoughtspot.com or all of the usual channels. Yeah. Plus as a perk, you'll get to use Gong, right, Sean? <laughs> Plus as a perk? No, I, it's funny. I mean, I just had a meeting the other day. I'll have another plug in there. But, you know, we're onboarding a new sales development director. And part of what I said is I said, hey, would it be helpful if I went and picked out you know, three of my favorite calls to help you along the way. And I've just been like, oh, this is now just a key part of my onboarding plan. So anytime I bring a new product marketer or, you know, I share with the marketing team, I mean, it's just great content. And I usually have my own commentary, but, you know, it's great that they can get in there, skip to the parts that they want, but it's been huge. But yeah, that's a total perk. You get, you get to play hands-on with sort of the latest and greatest technology that I would say is, uh, is very, very valuable for product marketers. That's great. You can always find more from me over at Marketing Over Coffee, but that'll do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the stacks.